0: Hi everyone, this is Alisa Siadat. This is a new episode of PayTech Talk. And today I have again two wonderful guests with me. I have Henry and Khan. So I would give the word over to you, gentlemen. Please, Henry, start and introduce yourself to those who did not listen to our previous two podcasts, because this is a third podcast we're doing already. But please, Henry, start with the introduction.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, thank you very much for the kind invitation, uh, Ali. My name, as I said, is, uh, or as you said, is uh, Henry de Jong. I'm uh, one of Quantos' uh, co-founders and responsible for business development. And at Quantos, we work on the gateway between uh, central finance and device. Thank you, Henry. And we have also Gökhan
0: Nazanin with me. And uh, Gurkhan, please uh, introduce yourself and explain a little bit what you are doing uh, uh, business side.
2: Yeah. Hey, Arisa. Great to be back with you guys on stage here. My name is Gurkhan Nazanin. I'm from FIS, uh, responsible for the business development in Europe when it comes about banking solutions. And also the Managing Director for clear to pay which is the line of business of payments from FIS. And FIS is one of the oldest fintechs out there, which no one really knows here, especially in Europe. But that's why we are here to increase the footprint.
0: Thank you both. So today we have a nice topic for you. We want to talk about uh, non-fungible token NFTs. We heard a lot happening in media, uh, on the industry side, but also on the legal and regulatory side. And we would like to look a little bit more into these topics. And uh, I would like to start with you, Henry. So what do you think about NFTs? Is it uh, right now
1: exciting to talk about NFTs? Uh, What is your opinion? Yes, 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 definitely. I'm, I'm very excited about all the possible applications of NFTs, but... Before we start discussing applications, regulations and the legal impact of owning an NFT, I'm very curious about your opinion there. Uh, Let me briefly explain what an NFT is. So NFT is the abbreviation of the non-fungible token. And an NFT is a token on a blockchain that represents a unique asset. And this unique identifier cannot be copied or substituted. And the one who has this token in her wallet can certify authenticity and ownership of the asset the token represents. So the token can only be transferred on the blockchain by the owner. And that means that one can buy, sell or trade NFTs. And then here comes my question to you, Ali. What exactly do I get when I buy an NFT? And what legal rights do I have once I have the NFT in my wallet?
0: Yeah, that's a good one, Henry. I mean, thank you for for explaining. what what NFTs are from a a broader context, from a a legal context. uh, First of all, NFTs are not now defined. So we we do not really have a legal law or legal environment where it says, this is an NFT. So from a technical perspective, it is exactly what you said. It is a, a unique token and with a unique asset. And the question of what the NFT represents, or if I would buy an NFT and what would be my rights, which I get with the NFT, really depends on the use case. So let's take a use case saying that we have, um, let's say we take the board Ape Yacht Club NFT. In the board Ape Yacht Club NFT, I would usually have intellectual property over the image, which I have acquired with the NFT. And then you would need to look into the, yeah into the details of of the of the yeah i would call it drop report you can call it a a purchase agreement or you can call it the description of what you have actually bought when you bought the nft so and this also depends on the jurisdiction where the nft is issued so for the bought api club nft this is to my understanding an an anglo-saxon or an american setup where you have um, the right to use the image so the ip right. And you are even allowed, it is unlimited and you can uh, use the, the image uh, also for commercial purposes. And to use it, let's say, when you in film or, or music production, you can use it and you can take any benefit from your NFT and your image, which you have purchased. But this is not, this would not count for any, for all NFTs. So it really depends to look at each use case from a, for European NFTs or for European-issued NFTs, you usually do not have commercial rights. You only have the private rights to use, the, let's say, your your image on your social media account. But you're not allowed to copy that image. You're not allowed to duplicate that image and use it in a commercial manner. This is not allowed. Uh, You can also differentiate, if you look at NFTs, let's say in the music industry, we see it nowadays, where you can purchase an NFT and the NFT gives you certain rights, let's say to one music title, Uh, you could participate of the uh, revenues uh, which are made with the music title, let's say uh, through streaming. But this needs to be somewhere written down, you usually do not find it in the NFT because depending on which blockchain standard you have the NFT issued. Let's say you have an Ethereum, uh, you cannot really write all the commercials and all the details of the NFT. You normally have, a, as I said, a Tropic report, you have a purchase agreement or something else, and then you can really see on, on what you have. But putting it back and coming back to the, to the beginning, once you want to have an NFT, you usually have a license agreement in a, in a traditional or in a, in a non-blockchain Environment And this license agreement explains exactly on, on what kind of rights, what kind of IP rights the owner of the NFT would have, where she or he would be allowed to use the NFT privately or commercially, until when, and what happens if you sell the NFT in a secondary market, is the initial owner getting any benefits, so-called royalties, You can also take those and put it in a technical manner into the smart contract and make sure that once you sell the NFT in the secondary market, that through the smart contract, the initial owner is getting the royalties or the benefits. And all of this really depends on each use case, depending where you use the NFT. I hope this was not too complicated, uh, but uh, I talked now so much about using the NFTs uh, in, in with bought yacht club or with music. So this is actually the retail market where we see a lot happening with NFTs. But I want to give that back to you Gurkan, and asking you where you, because you have deep understanding of the uh, business and, and, and int- institutional industry. Uh, is the, the, the NFT also relevant and important for institutionals? How is the institutional perspective? Uh, would you say that NFTs are only or not only for retail, art and entertainment? And is there maybe some business examples you can give from the non-retail market when it comes to NFTs?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, interesting question. And of course, the answer is always no. It is also for a broader audience because it all depends on the use case. I mean, that's a sentence we use nearly in every session we had now with you gentlemen but that's the truth that depends on the use case and unfortunately people only know that nft stuff from the niche jpeg pictures crypto punks you know the apes and everything else there or the first twitter jack dorsey sold back then for 2.9 million ish i mean that's that's a little bit the, the funny side of the business but if you look at nfts and how also henry and you explained that that's a kind of statement about property which belongs to you, which you can hand over to someone, which is digital digitally, you know, backed in a blockchain, pretty secure. Of course, nothing is really secure. You know, there's always something which can be hacked, unfortunately, which is also maybe something as a as a negativity, which we can say but discuss a little bit later. But I think it all depends on the use case. And when we talk about institutions, what I can tell you right now is when we look at asset management, wealth management, this is already a special audience where NFTs already has the right to exist. Because we talked to a bank in Germany called VBank, which is the biggest provider for asset managers when it becomes about investments. And those guys, especially one of their board members called Stefan Lettmeyer, explained to us that they're already providing NFTs or going to provide NFTs to their Uh, clients or to the clients of their clients as they're providing the asset managers. And they already started with NFTs for sneakers because, you know, there's even a huge market for sneakers where the sneakers are physically backed in a storage, you know, somewhere else there physically. And of course, it has to be checked on a yearly basis if they're really there. But you you see that there's a huge market where people collect things like old-timer cars or arts. You know, and an NFT is nothing but the right to have a portion or a part of that piece of art, that sneaker, that old timer. You know, it is a kind of new investment form which is already there in the wealth management, asset management space. Now we can discuss about what other use cases could be there for other banks or institutions, and and I can tell you that, for instance. JP Morgan is already looking at that, and they already released a lounge in the metaverse where people can buy property um, or land with NFTs. Uh, Goldman Sachs is currently looking for what they could have there, and and their global head of digital assets told them that they are trying to identify new financial instruments via NFTs. Japanese Nomura Bank is also trying to identify something on the metaverse. And and what you maybe hear out of that, that the first steps banks try to do is creating something in the metaverse that could be a use case there, or they see the first use cases over there. But I think much more NFTs could be also used in trade finance. Maybe, gentlemen, you remember back in the days where blockchain was, you know, the hottest shit out there, the new kid on the block, everyone wants to do something. We had different new projects from IBM with the Hyperledger. We had R3, um, different projects. I don't know if you are familiar with all that Voltron stuff and Marco Polo stuff, which many banks got together, tried to create a trade finance blockchain network. Unfortunately, it didn't fly pretty much. But also over there, NFTs can really help to ease the business between two parties who don't know each other you know and can send over the property uh, or the right of the property easily via the blockchain using also tokens and I guess we discussed the last time Henry also especially with you about the payments above the blockchains using other tokens or currencies Yes sir. and I think the only problem currently why this is nothing really for the retail business is the current gas prices, which we have on the blockchains, because currently most of the smart contracts and NFTs are still on the Ethereum blockchain. And yes, there was a great merge and everyone did party like hell some weeks ago, but the gas fees are still high. So therefore um, scale yeah. On the blockchain for the mass market doesn't make sense currently because it's too expensive to offer NFTs to the mass market. And again, depends on the use case. That's why I guess currently it's more for uh, a niche market where people say, "Okay, I would like to invest something," and of course, I have to give some fees for that. It's no n- no problems about that. But I guess the problem is currently for the for the retail banking part, the gas fees or the transaction fees are too high even if there are some more blockchains, and I guess, Henry, you can explain us a little bit more about the different blockchains where the smart contracts could fly easily for the mass market, you know, especially with,
1: with lower transaction fees. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the, most of the uh, NFTs are currently issued uh, on uh, Ethereum. They have a, a special standard for that. It's called uh, ERC721. And uh, it's really easy to yeah, to to issue your own NFT. Um, but uh, as you said, uh, Kagan, you have uh, high gas fees. Yeah, so the transferring an an NFT might be might be very expensive, and the profit you make because most of the collectors want want to make a profit. Yeah, they want to trade their their NFTs. most of, most of the profits get lost because of the uh high uh yeah tr- transaction fee it's partly solved so you can transfer your uh nfts to a polygon you could call that a kind of side chain of uh, of of ethereum uh but then you have another problem yeah so uh handling nfts and uh paying the transaction fee you need you need you need a cryptocurrency and you need a wallet so i i think that the NFTs are still not available to a big audience because it's it's quite hard to handle. Yeah, so it's the the problem that we in general have with uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, as long as yeah we we don't have uh, uh, wallets that um, yeah are are convenient for uh, a a wide uh, Audience and uh, people still need to pay the in native cryptocurrencies for the transaction fees. We still will have to uh, face the problem of the of the mass adoption. There are more uh, uh, blockchains that uh, offer NFT uh, functionality. Uh, Stellar does it, uh, or Algorand, for example. So Algorand is a uh, sponsor of the upcoming uh, World Championship in uh, Qatar. And they uh, issue uh, many NFTs related to the uh, FIFA World Championship on uh, on on Algorand, and in Algorand the transaction fees are very low. I think you can do 25,000 transactions on Algorand for one euro. Um, so there we don't have the, uh, uh, the 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 transaction fee. And I think what what really makes NFTs uh, more tradable is uh, if you can. Trade NFTs over different blockchains. So if you have an NFT that is issued on uh, Algorand, that you could or that you can also trade that on uh, uh, Polygon or Cardano or Stellar. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, <laughs> um,
2: interesting. Yeah, and I, and I think um, and that is something what is currently. Under research, I would call it, also from different companies, you know, when we talk about institution, because you mentioned Polygon, you see that Starbucks, Mercedes-Benz, and also other big global players are trying to identify what they could do on those blockchains. And, And also here, if you buy a car, for instance, you know, the ownership could be moved over to you pretty easily over an NFT. You know, and that is maybe something which which is a topic for another session or some other <laughs> sessions when we talk about identity, digital yeah. identity and how this could be saved in a blockchain, which, which kind of mediums we would use there. And I think that could be also something, you know, if you lease a car, for instance, you know, and get the paper for the cars and all the other stuff or your ID. I mean, that's, that's an interesting, but, you know, that's a whole topic on itself to discuss how this could be done. But just to go back to your previous question, Ali. So, there are many institutions out there. And it would be pretty interesting when we become more mature in the world of embedded finance, where big companies, corporates offer financial services, because then you have a seamless, you know, you, you have less boundaries in the world of financial institutions. That, that's where it becomes more crit, uh, critically for mm-hmm. banks when, you know, Mercedes Benz do everything on their own without any bank of course they have an own bank but even without that you know leaving the middlemen outside and doing everything with their clients directly like we do it today peer to peer you know and that is the next step frankly speaking we are still you know we doing baby steps it's nothing mature right now and again i guess henry you made the comparison about the internet in the 1990s and the meta and, and and all the crypto metaverse stuff right now, it it is the same stuff. And we need the years, of course, not that long, like it took for the internet, you know, to get accepted. But I think we need another five to between five to seven years, if you have, if we get a kind of maturity here and we see different business models, different offerings, different financial instruments, and of course the usage of cryptos out there.
1: Hey, I have another question uh, for you, uh, uh, Ali. I, uh, as I said before, I'm very excited about uh, NFTs and I joined a conference in July in Kassel, uh, organized by the University of Kassel during the Documenta. And there were many presentations about art related NFT projects. And I really believe that NFTs can empower artists. Yeah, We all already discussed about uh, music rights and issued them as NFTs. and um, well my second question to you today is uh, if I were an artist and I would like to issue an nft uh, do I need to consider the uh, the, the Mika that by the way was uh, released uh, this afternoon
0: Yes that's a good one I mean for for those who are not familiar with the Mika the markets and crypto assets regulation is a regulatory framework which is going to cover the crypto assets for the entire European economic area and going to regulate those commercially used crypto assets. Uh, However, uh, as we have heard before, and now it is confirmed uh, because now you can see the final Mika text being published, um, NFTs, or I would say true NFTs are not in scope of Mika. And this is very important because as I said in the beginning, we do not have a proper definition. What is an NFT or what's not an NFT. However, we have it from a technical perspective and from a securities law perspective to say that a true NFT is a non-fungible token, which is really unique and which is representing a unique asset and is not uh, re- replaceable by uh, this the same NFT. So Mika is, is taking that and it's, it's quoting and saying that if you have a true NFT, which is non-fungible, you do not need uh, the protection by Mika. You don't to need to protect the, the, the consumers because it, it says basically from a risk-based approach that uh, the risk for the consumers trading with uh, NFTs is not that high because it is not similar to a security which is fungible, which you can uh, replace one-to-one with another security. Uh, and this is why uh, from a risk-based approach, the, the, the European lawmaker decided not to have true NFTs in scope of Mika. However, at the same time, Mika says that if you have fractional NFTs, so you have one smart contract, let's say with one NFT under the ERC 721, and under that you have 1,000 fractional NFTs, which are maybe under ERC 1155, but they are all covering the same image or the same right and they only have a different number, but they still have the same rights, so they are replaceable, uh, then these fractional NFTs or FNFTs, they are in scope of Mika, and maybe even they're in scope of MIFID, of the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive, if those rights are similar to dividend rights, voting rights, and things like that. Um, so, And therefore, putting it back to your question, In a nutshell, if you have a true NFT, you are not in scope of Mika, which does not mean, on the other hand, that it's not regulated at all because some jurisdictions like Germany, they still have the crypto assets which cover right now uh, NFTs. Um, It really depends if your NFT is uh, traded and it's tradable and it has some investment purpose. Similar uh, tests we know from the U.S. market with the Howie test. Uh, And this is something you need to always to ask yourself if your NFT is uh, something for fans and supporters or if it's for someone who is just buying it to to trade it later on and to make some investment. And I have one more example, which I want to present to you, Henry and Gökhan. Um, So talking about NFTs and I'm taking your words, Gökhan, I also think that NFTs and the technical uh, solution NFTs provide is, is much broader than already used. One example, also coming back to what you said, Henry, with the World Cup, for example, taking the World Cup, the Football World Cup coming in, in Qatar uh, this year. Imagine that we would do the ticketing through NFTs. So let's say that FIFA would directly sell the tickets for the football game, and each ticket would be represented by one unique NFT. So you can you Henry or me, myself, we can buy tickets. The maximum ticket number we can buy is maybe four because we have four family members and we decide to go to Qatar and to watch the game. However, close to the game, we realize that we do not want to travel. Maybe we're ill, something happens and then we want to sell that ticket. So I would say we would be allowed to sell that ticket. And then if you sell that ticket for a higher price than we bought it, which is quite realistic because the ticket prices will go higher, closer coming to the event date. Then one share of the, of, the, of the win, of the profit made goes to me and the rest would go to the owner, which would be FIFA. And this is just one example with, with the football game, but you can apply the same example to all the ticketings, to, to music events, to sport events, to any other events. And this would be, in my opinion, a, a nice example where you take out the middlemen's, and this is like something truly where you say you have the dlt you have the you have the blockchain technology and you can make use of it uh, what do you think yep. about it i mean coming first to henry and then you go can you like this example you
1: think this is something we can, we can maybe we three can start up building something like this <laughs> yeah well in, in fact we are uh, discussing with uh, some of our uh, uh, partners uh, about uh, building uh, marketplaces or creating nft uh, marketplaces where where people can trade uh, nfts but not not for um, uh, cryptocurrencies but with uh, stable coins yeah so that uh, that means that uh, uh, we we digitize the euro and uh, people buy or sell uh, crypt- uh, nfts and uh, get uh, digital euros per uh, uh, in, in return so that means that they are also not exposed to the volatility uh, risks of the uh, of the uh, uh, underlying cryptocurrency and that the uh, uh, redemption of the uh, digital euros uh, always will well, lead to a payout in uh, fiat uh, money of the amount that you uh, burnt your your di- your digital, uh, uh, Europe. So, in indeed, it would be uh, a very nice uh, use case to uh, build a marketplace for uh, uh, FIFA tickets. But uh, I'm I'm afraid that uh, with less than uh, 50 days uh, ahead uh, before the start of the uh, championship, uh, we we will not be able to uh, to be, to get this marketplace uh, up up and running. Yeah, I think what is said with. Uh
0: having an, a blockchain-based payment solution included is very important because for those who are familiar with the smart contract technology behind royalties with NFTs, this is exactly what you can do with the smart contract. You can uh, put to the smart contract that if I would sell my ticket to, let's say, to Gukan and he would pay with uh, a blockchain-based digital euro, then according to the smart contract, I would get... Uh, let's say 10% of the of the profit, and 90% goes to the issuer to FIFA. And this is something where the blockchain really makes sense to have a closed environment. But uh, as I was asking my question in the beginning to to both of you, Henry and Birkham, uh, what do you think about this uh, this solution this of ticketing ticketing and uh, and maybe also having maybe such a solution for institutions or investment funds?
2: You know, what I really like with that idea is especially that you avoid the black market or can reduce the stuff on the black market. Because unfortunately, you see that, especially when we have huge events like the World Cup over there or Formula One and you name it, you know, you will see that the people out there trying to sell you some tickets on the black market for incredibly prices are so huge. And mostly it is fake tickets. They're selling you and you're the one who is who got screwed. You know, so therefore, I think to avoid scams, uh, black markets, and all that stuff, it is great. And again, we came back to the identity stuff, you know, because you know exactly who got the ticket, who has the ticket, who has the right to maybe sell it to someone else. And then it's also recorded in the blockchain and that people can identify their self when they go into the stadium, you know. So for that reason, definitely, I really prefer something like this also to avoid all the the clashes sometimes you have out there in the stadium. I mean, everyone who goes to a football match knows that mostly you have some, sorry to say some fuck ups there with the tickets. When people try to (laughs) enter with tickets, they don't have, or they should not have. And mostly you go into your seat and someone is already sitting because he has the same ticket, but the same applies to, um, If you go by a plane with an air ticket, because how often or in the cinema, you know, how often you are in a movie theater, you see someone is already sitting because the cashier out there sold the ticket twice on the seat, you know. And I think to avoid in that just basic, simple examples. But I guess when we look at the financial world, we can do much more, especially when we sell more expensive goods or doing more high investments, you know, how value investments. That could be also pretty important for us. But I think, again, we have to think about how attackable blockchains are. It depends on how centralized they are stored or decentralized, you know. I mean, even in a decentralized world, it could be, you know, a victim of uh, phishing scams or something else. So nothing is really 100% secure. But if you if you look back in the days when you had the cash trucks, even those were not secure because they got robbed by any other guys. So yep. the question would be also is 100% security, something would li- we would like to have, or even 95% would be also sufficient for us. Okay, I, I guess that's more an ethically or physical, yep. um, philosophical question we have to answer ourselves.
1: Well, there are some uh, blockchains that are, uh, if I remember well, ISO twenty thousand twenty-two uh, certified or comply with this uh, standard, and that is uh, you you will know. that. That's the banking uh, standard for uh, for for transactions. Of
2: course, yeah.
1: So uh, blo- blockchains are compliant with uh, uh, with with ISOs in 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 Respect and what what I really uh, like. So, coming back to the um, ticket uh, and NFTs, is that you the the NFTs can be programmed. The money can be programmed. So you 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 really can uh, build a marketplace that prevents a black market. Yeah. So if you want to sell your ticket, you can only sell it back to the issuer. Yeah. If you are not able to come to Qatar. You can sell your ticket back to uh, to the um, to the FIFA right so that uh, and 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 not uh, sell it via eBay or any other uh, market uh, place and um, uh, yeah uh, not make money with it yeah, so yeah. That, that should also not be the your attention when you buy the ticket.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is exactly the thing. I mean, I think we could talk uh, a lot more about this topic. And I think also about how to use ticketing uh, in, in new dimensions, like in the metaverse, for example. And there again, using uh, digital identity and, and, uh, and making sure that you have the right permission to, to enter the metaverse and stuff like that. Um, and I think uh, talking about this, I think we should have one more podcast, maybe on metaverse and digital identity, which could be our next one. Uh, but looking at the time, I would like to uh, thank you both. Uh, it was. Uh, a very delightful talk to you with you today and yeah uh, and i will uh, see you in here soon again in our next podcast and would like to thank all the listeners and as always you can contact henry or Kukhan. they're both active on social media and linkedin you can find the details under this podcast and please reach out for us
2: yeah thank you Ali, a for yeah,
1: pleasure